Welcome to uh, Cut and Splice. This is Gil. And this is Jason. And this is Matt. And today uh, we're going to do a, a bonus episode based on a recommendation from our friend Andrew, who's our number one fan, and the reason why we're here today, <laughs> or at least uh, the reason why we've started this podcast in a way. And uh, we had a, uh, online, we, we exchanged a few uh, uh, comments about uh, the new The Batman movie that's coming out, uh, having the very long runtime, which I believe is like two hours and 55 minutes or something crazy like that. Um, so um, so Andrew thought that would be an interesting discussion, and this is where we are. Yeah, so as, as far as um, specifically the Batman, what was um, your guys' reaction when you first heard about the, the runtime? I think it's too long for uh, the kind of movie that it is, but I'm certainly going to withhold my opinion until I, you know, see the movie. For all I know, it could be amazing. <laughs> you know, it just for that type of movie, it it doesn't it doesn't seem like you know it's not a, a epic period piece or something like that that would normally lend itself to that type of length. So it was a little surprising. I'm somewhat ambivalent. Uh, it, it, I mean, until I can actually see the movie, I'm not going to really have an opinion on the runtime because I mean very possibly the movie needed the runtime. I mean I I think that a lot of people looked at the Dark Knights runtime before the movie came out and thought, wow, that's really long for a superhero movie. And then you go in and watch the Dark Knight and it kind of just flies by because it's a really tight script and there's very there are very few scenes that you know, just filler that you could cut out and, you know, just make it tighter. So, uh, I, I mean, I, the, the only, the only thing that stands out to me when it comes to movies that are, uh, I say over two and a half hours is that we should bring back the intermission. There's no problem with having an intermission, just give people 10 to 15 minutes to get up, go to the bathroom, maybe get a refill uh, of their soda or their popcorn or whatever the heck they want, and then go back to the movie and watch the remainder of it. I don't care if the movie's four hours, five hours, six hours, whatever. You give me an intermission, and if the movie's actually something that needed that runtime i don't have a problem with the runtime just give me an intermission yeah i i do and i was definitely going to bring it up the intermission because I, I i grew up in in israel and we always had intermissions there to the point of annoyance in some ways because some movies are 90 minutes and borderline you don't need an intermission then and they would stop it at the 45 minute mark um yeah over two hours, you really just want to have an intermission. If you don't want to have it for every movie, I would also borderline be okay with every movie having an intermission. It's just more comfortable. I think it makes it more of an experience. It only extends your experience by 10, 15 minutes. So it's not as if, oh my, going to the movies is going to take me three hours longer. No, it's just 10, 15 minutes. And it makes a lot of sense. People often buy extra things and movie theaters make money on concessions almost as much as they do from the ticket selling. So it's, uh, and I understand that there was a rationale, I guess, 
it's it's because they can do more showings is the reason why they don't do at least that's what i heard at some point that's and my understanding as well yeah and and culturally i'm sure it'll be a big shift for people even though you know anybody who goes to the theater or, or to a musical you always have an intermission even you go to like see a your favorite band and there's a warm-up band and then a break before the the main band comes on so it's it's like an experience so why not in a movie setting you can get that same experience not extended by an hour and a half it's just 10 15 minutes longer uh, and then you're more comfortable you can drink as much as you want because if you do need to pee within an hour an hour 15 that break will be coming yeah i'm i'm not sure why that's so difficult to do I have no idea how people watch The Irishman <laughs> in in theaters and without like an intermission, um, but because um, that was like four hours or something. But yeah, I guess three and a half hours it was. Yeah, it's a it's a very odd cultural thing. Uh, as far as the Batman, I, I agree. I'm definitely not one that's that's like responds to things very strongly. Uh, you always have to assess. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll see the movie right away, but you know I'll probably see it at some point and give it a chance, especially if the reviews are good. And we'll we'll see what it is. It's probably too long if it's in a series of movies. I've always felt like even the the Avenger movies got like to three hours, the last two or something. Even those I felt like was unnecessary. They could have, especially because they're serial movies, you could have just condensed them a bit. But people seem to like them. Well, in the defense of those, people complain movies, about the runtime. I mean, the, those two movies particularly are like the, you know, culmination of like twenty films. You know, I mean, it, it the the story they're trying to tell was enormous, and it was kind of warranted what they were doing. Yes, there's a lot of characters. Like, so you you really it's just a lot of story too. A lot of story. Big. Yeah, it wasn't too much of a story, but it's just a it's an ensemble cast of long run times tend to be like you know like paul thomas anderson's movies like the magnolia and rutu like babel babel is like two hours and 20 minutes and uh and there's other ones that you know they're not three hours but yeah i mean ultimately i think movies can be whatever the length they need to be but but it does seem like it does seem like in the modern age i think we've almost gotten accustomed to movies being long uh, in in the modern age, it's it's almost rare to see a movie that's under two hours, if it's a drama or even an action movie. It's it's pretty rare. I don't know as far as like what do you think the movies that you you see. It's definitely becoming more common for them to be long. Um, I, I mean, I think there are still a lot of short, uh, ninety to a hundred minute movies. They're just not as you know not as many as there used to be. I mean, the tragedy of the the tragedy of Macbeth actually clocked in at under two hours so uh wow yes yeah. which i was so yeah. happy about like i was like great and it's also yeah. if i'm not mistaken it, it is uh one of the shortest plays right because i think most of the versions of yeah that happen. I, I i mean some some of his comedies are shorter and uh there there were some scenes cut uh, or abridged or modified in that it in that film version but uh, I mean, that that's a whole nother episode, but uh, it was really well adapted, really well adapted. <laughs> so uh, are you talking about yeah. a new movie that just came out? Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's a good it's a good movie. It's it's worth seeing. It's uh, 
Definitely. Well, um, I was going to say when you guys were talking about the um, bringing back the intermission mm-hmm. idea, I, I think that would be a good thing, obviously. Um, I'm no expert on this. I, I did work for movie theaters and have friends that still do work for movie theaters and things like that. But uh, I do believe that the main reason, like we said it before, is just to cram as many different showings you know, into each auditorium every single day. So, uh, and I'm pretty sure that has to do with some sort of, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch your back thing with the studios and stuff like that. Uh, because obviously they're the ones that make the most money off the ticket sales, the lion's share of it for sure. It, it's, it feels, I was going to say, it, it feels to me like to address the runtime and just to address problems with movie theaters in general, the intermission would be one of several things that they could probably do that would just make the whole movie theater experience better. Like, it, I, mean, I, I don't mean like a list of things, like uh, more like a, a series of things that need to happen, that all need to happen just to, to fundamentally change the entire movie exhibition, you know, uh, uh, industry really not just intermissions, but also, you know, bringing back like short films or cartoons, depending on what's more appropriate for the movie uh, beforehand and just everything that you could possibly do to make it more of an experience, better theaters, better food, better everything, you know, this kind of a trend to make more theaters, luxury theaters, but in doing so, I think they all kind of like missed the mark. There aren't very many actual ones that are that good out there, but um, yeah, I mean, if you just kind of like get people to expect more, out of the movies experience that they're going to and then they might not mind paying a little extra and they might not mind going out and seeing more of it rather than uh well you know we had that whole discussion about the streaming stuff so i don't want to retread on that i do agree that maybe adding a couple like one or two dollars to the ticket price to balance it out and make it more of an experience either putting a short having um the intermission and I do wonder if culturally to make that shift, you could always have sort of like what you have now, whether it's IMAX, non-IMAX, 3D, non-3D. What if you just have, because often, especially in the bigger theaters, there's uh, usually like two showings or two theaters showing the same movie. You could have one with intermission and one without for the people that just really just are still used to it. And that could be a way to experiment with it, at least with movies that are, you know, bigger. And... Um, and the other thing I was going to say, too, is because right now there's this culture, there's even articles have been written about this, as people often look for spots in the um, in the movie where it would be a good time to go pee. That should not happen. Oh, and, I can and, yes. tell you exactly when I did that during Batman v Superman. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The moment, They're memorable and, moments. And this, this, is, this is not... Uh, the, uh, they're not, not like memorable a, moments a, enough to yeah. be memorable. To, you know. No, th- th- it's, this is no, like, th- this is not a hate thing for the actor in any way whatsoever. But the moment I saw, like, I was already just staring, like, at the screen, like, what on earth was Zack Snyder thinking? This movie is so bad. And then the moment that Kevin Costner came on screen, I was like, we're having a, a vision like I, I, I was like, I, I don't need to see this, and I just got up and went to the restroom. And, and then, <laughs> I, I think I even bought some popcorn because I was like, this is going to be five minutes of Superman having a dad vision. I'm no, 
<laughs> no. <laughs> this, this is doesn't belong in this movie at all. But anyway, continue. Yeah, I, I will say before I let Matt go is um uh in of all movies, this was a good movie. Um uh, Rogue One. For some reason I recall in that movie, I think there was like a moment, like it, it was a good movie, but it was I think a bit long. And Great. and there's a moment where like they're about to descend on some planet or something, or, or I don't know, or it's like, you know, connect with a fleet or something. And I'm like, okay, so this is going to be basically an action scene for like a good five minutes. So I can go like, you know, who cares about action? I'm not going to miss any story. I'm not going to miss any dialogue. So, you know, so that, that kind of a thing. Um, so regardless of whether it's a good movie or not, you sort of can find these spots where, you know, you might not lose too much plot points. And, and again, that yeah. should not be the case. That should yeah. not happen. And, and most movies, I just watched uh, West Side Story, and it's, I think, over two hours. I lasted the movie, but that's because I didn't buy anything. Uh, it's know, well over two hours. Yeah, yeah. and I, I didn't get any drinks or anything. And that's sometimes is a strategy that I have, is I just don't buy anything before a movie. But this time was because of COVID and stuff, because I wasn't really going to eat in the theater. But you know, it's. I wish I enjoy eating in the theater. I, I it does save money not to buy stuff, but I I do like because I don't go to movies very often. I, I like maybe getting a coke and popcorn or some chocolate because it's part of the experience. Uh, in Israel, I, I used to be very strict and I didn't buy anything because it was just a way to save money and see more movies with the, you know, the allowance that I had. But um, but yeah, as an adult, I'm I'm all for like you know having fun it's just that I, I i limit myself because i, I i'm afraid of having to go be in the middle of the movie hear this all <laughs> you movie theater uh companies out there listen to this this is a man who lives in santa monica he has money and he yeah. is not buying your products because he can't hold his bladder long enough for the damn movie <laughs> Yeah, no, they're leaving money on. on the table. They're yeah. seriously yeah. leaving money on the table. He wants to give you his money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> In any case, uh, uh, so that was that. You go, Matt. All right. So uh, one thing that I, I I wanted to kind of interject into this is um, there's a layer to the intermission that I think people kind of gloss over and the only movie that I can think of that really used the intermission in this way was Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet in 1996, you know, the four hour and 20 minute long full text Hamlet that did have an intermission, but it's clearly an intermission that was not there just so you can go pee or go out to the uh or go out to the concession stand it was a creative moment where he actually used the intermission the intermission came after the act four scene for soliloquy and when you come back from the intermission you're just into act five and it's a five act play you go through the majority of the movie and then there's this really poignant, important moment at the end, just before the intermission, where Hamlet says, Hamlet proclaims, my thoughts be bloody or be nothing worth. And then it just cuts to black intermission. And then you go out. 
And yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people in the audience, uh, I, I mean, I was only 11 when that movie came out, so I didn't see it in theaters. But I, I guarantee you that, yeah, the audience was pretty happy that they could go out, go pee, maybe get a refill on their drinks, maybe get a refill of popcorn, maybe, you know, do this, that, or the other thing. But at the same time, it's a creative moment to put in an intermission. <laughs> I mean, if he wanted to put in that intermission just for people to go out and go pee, it probably would have been after, like, Act 3. But he waited until the end of Act 4 to do it. And, I mean, he picked that moment to let that sink into your brain for, like, 15 minutes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, no, for sure. So, I mean, that's uh, it's one of the arguments that I got online when I discussed this is that people said like, oh, it's going to take you out of the movie. Like, and, and the example was so precious because this guy gave me an example. He said, well, you think in The Shining, if there was an intermission, it would like kill all the suspense that's been built up that entire time. And I'm like, well, I mean, you know, first of all, Kubrick had an intermission in 2001, and he did use it creatively. Usually when they choose the spot, yeah. they, they do make it creatively. It's somewhere towards the middle, but it doesn't have to be exactly in the middle, um, which is fine. Um, and in The Shining, there's like, there's title cards, so like Tuesday, or, you know, Thursday, like the whole like, um, you know, closing day, all, all and, and they're very suspenseful. You want to tell me adding a, a card in there, boom, intermission halfway through the movie wouldn't put you in suspense like what's going to happen next i think that would have worked and i think most directors would would enjoy like choosing that's the thing in israel growing up the theater chose where to stop it and it was something sometimes really abrupt and stupid but if if directors knew that there is an intermission and they choose a spot where they can either cut to black or have an actual intermission title card if it is like a three-hour movie then at least then you're getting you're working in the intermission to the creative choices as opposed to some random idiot in the theater choosing where to cut your movie, you know, yeah. or some or some idiot like me choosing when they're going to go pee. Like you want the director to choose when to stop the movie, not me and not the theater. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, Matt, I obviously not as uh, probably not as well thought out as um, or impactful as the uh, the Hamlet one, but um, you know when we saw the the Hateful Eight in its like, oh, right. long yeah. extended form, I think that uh, I think that on some level Quentin Tarantino decided that um, he wanted to put the intermission directly after the Samuel L. Jackson forced fellatio scene, just so that everyone would walk out of the theater talking about what they had just seen. Yeah, uh, now that that was another good example of a creative intermission probably not quite on the hamlet level but you know somewhere yeah it's pretty good yeah i mean it, it, that was well thought out and uh and by the way anybody who does listen if you didn't see the 70 millimeter road show of the hateful eight i i pity you um it was very fun yeah and uh cinegasmic but uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah i was i wasn't crazy about the movie it's it's a good movie but um 
Uh, it's not one of his best, but uh, see, you know what though? I'll, I'll I'll use this as a segue back to what I was saying before. That's a good example of what I was talking about. I don't know, Matt, what we paid to go see that. I know it was at the uh, Gil. What's that movie theater called? The good one, not not the ArcLight one. The Landmark. Thank you. The Landmark. The Landmark. We went, we went to the Landmark. It was twenty five dollars a piece. Yeah, and oh, I wow. mean, um, we we're seeing a uh, seventy millimeter print, right? Yeah. So 70 millimeter print with intermission and overture. And, uh, you know, it's it, for everyone who doesn't know, the landmark is easily, in my opinion, one of the best theater, mainstream theaters in the in all of L.A. We got drinks beforehand. Uh, that wasn't included in the price, but we did. We got to do that. And, uh, you know, there was uh, a, a, there was like a program or something. You know, like like a, like a printed yeah. program for the whole thing. I mean, like that's what I'm talking about. I want an experience. You know, yeah, it's still a bit steep at twenty five dollars, but uh, well, yeah, I'll I agree that that's a bit <laughs> much. But um, you know, like you were saying, if there was a, an option to do the two, you know, yeah, um, and then if you want to choose the way to, to do it, you know, you you build two theaters right next to each other in the same uh, parking lot. So that all the mall rats and the people who don't care about cinema can go to one of them and that one can be just trash. And then you can have the other one with the really nice seats and the really nice bar and the really good food and all this stuff like that. And then that one, you, when you're paying the more money for it, you get the, the, the short film or the cartoon or whatever in the beginning, you get the intermission if the movie's long enough to need one and you know, all that jazz, but most importantly, and I really do think this is something that people don't talk about enough. One of the greatest things about the arc light and the reason why I gladly pay a dollar more to go there than any of the other theaters is if you're going to pay, have someone pay more for their movie ticket, they should be able to walk in, find their seat, sit down and enjoy a blank screen with no advertisements none like not a commercial not a, a, a whatever little program that they that that theater chain has playing to advertise all their garbage that they have going on no local advertisements just nothing just give me a blank screen and maybe some music playing yeah appropriate music to get you in the mood <laughs> that would be even better yeah appropriate yeah. music would yeah. be good Kind of like at the New Beverly, they sometimes exactly yeah, right, music. like like music from uh, Dragonheart, you know, terrible movie, great music, you know, <laughs> that everybody knows. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, um, um, but yeah, one thing I was gonna say, like uh, I I went as far as experiences, I went to see the Phantom Thread at the Landmark, and we didn't pay extra. I think it was like fourteen, fifteen dollars, like the normal thing. And every every person there got a brochure uh, with uh, that was kind of like a sort of like a magazine of of uh, pictures from the costume designs of the movie because the movie is about costume design. Like he's a he's a dressmaker, um, so they mm -hmm. they kind of like you know to keep in the theme. So every single person in the theater got to keep one of those and take them home, which is kind of cool. It's like a memorabilia from your movie-going experience. It's better than a ticket stub. It's totally cool. Um, yeah, and that was like one of my 
favorite movie-going experience in recent years. Not only was it a, a tremendous yeah. movie, but but it's uh, just the fact that like that that was a nice touch, you know, <laughs> whoever came up with that. I don't think any movie-going experience is ever going to top when we went to go see that screening of The Shining, and you know the the guy went up and announced, "Hey, we've got a special thing coming up after the movie, so just stay in your seat, stay in your seats." And then after the movie ended. Hey, we've got a 70 millimeter uh, uh, print of the master. So, uh, yeah, if you if you want to stick around for that, you're going to be the first audience to see this. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that that was a hell of a thing. Uh, yeah, that was definitely uh, it, it was a challenge because it was late, but uh, it, it was uh, there was no way I was going to leave for sure. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, yeah. but but I will the, say, I mean, a Phantom Thread is a much better movie, but The Master is a very good movie. Still. Yeah, was P.G. Anderson there, or was did he just give them a print? It would have been nice. It would have been nice if he had made an appearance. It would have made it more worthwhile to say. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, that that would have been really memorable. Uh, uh, I, well, beyond memorable, but uh, no, I, I, I think we just, uh, yeah, we just had the print. He didn't, he didn't show up for it. But uh, I, I remember I, I reviewed the movie on IMDb, like soon after, and I was like, ah, oh, finally, I'm like, I can be one of those people that like sees a random movie in like a festival months before it releases and like so because of the whole they say founders um algorithm thing like the first person to post a review is oftentimes the one that's like re-upped you know so like my review for years was like the top one for the master because it was one of the first ones that's cool. uh, but I, I will say um one that that competes with it is definitely the one that me and Jason went to. Uh, oh, the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. The Dark. The was, Dark Knight. Definitely excellent. It, it was definitely like it wasn't the best theater. It wasn't the biggest screen, but it was exclusive. It was very exclusive. It was yeah. It was definitely very exclusive. Like being on the lot and everything. Like it's 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 very. It was a very cool thing, but not About only that. Twenty five people there, maybe. Yeah, and, and it's just the fact of the movie itself. Like, yeah. it's for yeah. the first time in my life, I saw it just like most people working on a movie. Like, if they did a, a crew screening, that's what it felt like to me. Because yeah. you're seeing it before any major audience sees it. And, and, and two and a half weeks beforehand or something like that? Yeah, at least a month or something. And, and having that feeling of like, you know, you wonder, like, people interview, like, musicians and filmmakers, like, after the fact, like, when they make some spectacular piece of yeah. music or movie. And, like, the, while you were making it, did you feel like you were making something special, blah, blah, blah? And they, and they usually say, like, oh, not really. I mean, you always think that you're making something special, but whether or not it actually works out, it's anybody's. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Pink Floyd said, like, when they first listened to a full cut of The Dark Side of the Moon, they kind of said like, oh, wow, like we really did something special here. So sometimes you have a, a sense of it even before anybody else gives it a listen or, or a watch. Yeah. But seeing The Dark Knight, I was like, I remember when the movie ended, I, I think I might have turned to Jason and said, like, people are going to lose their shit. This yeah. is a, like a complete game changer. Complete. Batman Begins was okay. It was a very good movie, but but The Dark Knight just blew the roof off, and to experience that weeks before anybody else, most people, yeah, it's just 
I, I don't know. It was like I, it, it would probably end up being like the, the the most memorable experience, just because of the quality of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, remember I, walking from the like from the the auditorium uh, like across the lot back to our car, and it was like we were just kind of like walking and just like saying like half sentences. You know, we were just like that was that was something. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> damn. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, uh, Gil, I remember you calling me because I was visiting my parents for Christmas when you guys oh, yeah. went to go see that movie, and <laughs> I was, uh, let's uh, to to put it mildly, green with envy. But uh, yeah, yeah, and, and <laughs> so, if and if you were around, you would likely be the one to go with Jason, not me. So I, I was uh, very fortunate that you yeah, were on a visit. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's more it's more likely than not, but but and yeah. I, which I'm totally fine with, but but I'm very happy that it worked out the way that it did. And you know, me and Matt had our uh, master experience, so we, we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in other, uh, in essence, they need to really, um, you know, uh, bring do all these things that we're talking about, and uh, then maybe um, nobody will have problems with long movies. Yeah, as far as the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but ultimately, I guess, uh, yeah, it is a case-by-case basis. Uh, I, I do wish that there wasn't a necessity on the part of filmmakers to feel like, oh, if it's less than two hours, it's not a grandiose enough movie. I feel like there's a little bit of that going on. But you yeah. know, whether it's the tragedy of Macbeth or some other ones that do run under two hours, I think you can make a very epic movie in under two hours. It's, it's really about the, the, the quality, not the quantity. Yeah. In, in spite of me saying that I'm totally fine with a longer movie for yeah. the right story. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite movies that, uh, honestly, I still haven't revisited in like 10 years because it's a pain in the ass to get through is the Russian uh, adaptation of War and Peace, which is over six hours. Uh, but oh, thank you. uh uh, but you know also movies like uh and uh you know we can talk about this with um some of our top directors but you know sergio leone's film uh once upon a time in america is over five hours and i mean that's a brilliant movie uh Uh, it's a bit too long uh it's it's one of my it's my least favorite movie of his because of the uh, running time or or yeah, or 1900 by uh, uh, Bertolucci, you know, the, again, that's over five, hour, five hours. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> also, both of which star Robert De Niro. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that um, one I'm also like okay with, but it's definitely not an amazing movie. Uh, I mean, I, I will say that obviously the, there's a lot of three-hour movies, but The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly is a, is a very good example of a movie that's very long with very few characters in it and very little story, but it's magnificent. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> I think like one time I, I saw a documentary and uh, maybe about Westerns and stuff. And, uh, and this film reviewer uh, was saying like, I remember like sitting at in the theaters watching <laughs> the good, the bad and the ugly. And it's like, it's like two hours in and all of a sudden there's a scene that opens up and they realize 
that they've stumbled onto the Civil War or something like that. <laughs> and it's like, holy shit, this movie's not even close to being done, and I don't care. <laughs> like, you know, it's one of those movies where, like, I guess sort of like The Dark Knight or other ones. Like, Lawrence of Arabia feels long, you know, yes, but, but, but The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly... It's just you can't get enough of it. It's it's just on a whole other level. It's a very unique movie. Um, so, but 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 yeah, like it's a case by case basis. I you know you can't. Uh, I yeah. don't know. I'm I'm sure Matt yeah. likes the, those ones that he mentioned, and I like the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm sure Jason has yeah. long movies that he's. Well, well, and you know, I mean, not to prolong this conversation all that much, but um, you know, just on the issue of. You know, when you look at Hamlet, you know, Brano's film was the first full text, you know, four hour, four and a half hour length uh, version of Hamlet. And you compare that to like the Franco Zeffirelli version with Mel Gibson that was only like 120 minutes or something. You know, it might have been two hours. I, I don't know. And I mean, Fortinbras isn't even a character in the movie. You know, it, I, I mean, basically the entire soul of the the text was cut out in in order to uh, serve the brevity of the movie, and it's awful. It, it's just not very good. And I mean, they got Ian Holm there playing Polonius. So, you know, they've got a great they've got a great cast, but, uh, it sucks because they, they gutted the entire soul, soul of the text out of it. Wow. Brana went, uh, Brana went in the opposite direction. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, there are certain stories that you just can't tell in 90 minutes to two hours. Uh, you need to actually, give it time to breathe and give the characters time to talk and go through what they're actually going through. So, um, that's amazing, Matt. Yeah. I, I could literally record everything you just said right there and replace <laughs> character names. And I could have, I could say that exact same thing you just said about the new Dune movie and the sci-fi original, uh, you know, miniseries version. Uh, oh, the wow. new Dune movie? Ah, I feel like yeah. the original Dune movie maybe more so was nah, rushed, well, that, but... that that one, the theatrical cut is is not even worth talking about because that is that's something else. But there are like I have a uh, a cut of of the David Lynch Dune, which is much better, which is like. Um, I don't know. You can find it online. It's like uh, probably three and a half hours or something like that. It, it's much closer and better. But um, I'm just I'm just talking about the fact that the exact things that Matt said. The fact that this new one they had two and a half hours, and the, at the stopping point where the movie stops is right around where the mini series would end at about an hour and a half. So in like hmm. 90 minutes, the miniseries did, told the story better than what the the new version did. And the new version is beautiful. 
and amazing. And I mean, I could talk about it for a long, long time, but the thing is, and the acting's impeccable. And all of those things I just said are horrible in the, in the miniseries. The acting's terrible and the, the effects are awful and the whole thing looks terrible and blah, 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 blah. But just talking about storytelling, it's exactly like what Matt just said. It's like, they, I don't know what they d- were thinking, but they cut out the whole heart and soul of that movie and they still have two and a half hours of the movie. And I don't know what the heck they were doing with it because it's, it's just bad. Yeah, no, I think, uh, well, Denis definitely um, has slow pacing. We've established with Blade Runner and, <laughs> but, but I think that goes into another subject of conversation almost. Um, and we can plug it off of this, yeah. but uh, it's, uh, it plays into the runtime, but it's adaptations. Like when you adapt uh, like books and um and different like you know even short stories sometimes but but mostly the books yeah sure. it's very tough like we, we made fun of the hobbit movies for overextending it like where the lord of the rings nailed it as far as like taking three books making three long movies yep and the hobbit took it too far and then other times there's books that are condensed to too short of a movie that you lose like whether it's dune or other ones and i'm sure it's because you're so close to the text jason that it matters to you more than most people like, I, I'm I, sure... I have no doubt that, that it's because it's like my favorite book pretty much and everything like that but also just just as evidence that i'm throwing at this out there i recently rewatched it with my brother and his wife and she has not seen other versions of dune so she didn't have any of this other information to draw on and we had to pause it like every 10 minutes because she kept asking us like i don't understand what's going on why is this character doing this what's happening right there and and i was constantly telling her you know i it's not your fault what this movie should have told you five minutes ago was this this and this and she was like oh okay now that makes sense and then we like start watching again yeah and i think she was reading too much into it <laughs> i think much like a shakespeare play like you really you're not going to get all the words in a shakespeare play you should just go along with it and, and try to experience it and feel the movie. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't lose too much. I got who's against who for the most part. And I don't, I, I've listened to the audiobook of Dune a while back uh, and I, I don't recall much from the book itself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I still, I, I knew what was going on. I, I even not remember anything about the actual story. I, I got enough but but I understand if she was like really getting into the specifics there, then I'm sure they cut out too much stuff. I mean, I don't want to go too deep into it. We could do a whole episode about it. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, yeah. whether it's the the like plays made into movies, like uh, especially like Shakespeare, or or whether it's uh, like uh, books, there, there's definitely a whole thing there where you just it's a tough balance to strike. Absolutely. Yeah.